What are the best and worst case scenarios for Alexi Lafreniere, Mika Zibanejad, and Capo Caco this upcoming season with the New York Rangers? And will this be the Rangers' top line on opening night? We discuss on today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 894 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And we are, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So today, going to continue and, in fact, conclude our annual off-season series where we take a look at the best and worst case scenarios for every single player on the New York Rangers who I believe will be on the opening night roster and will be in the lineup. Started with the goalies, went to the defensemen, uh, worked our way from the fourth line up to the top line. And once again, we conclude uh, today's series or, you know, the series in general today uh, with today's episode where we focus in on Alexi Lafreniere, uh, Mika Zibanejad, and Capo Caco, a trio that I believe uh, at least has a chance to open the season as the Rangers' top line. And if you missed any of the uh, episodes along the way, they're all there. You know, whether you're listening on audio, you're watching on YouTube, whatever the case might be, they're not hard to find. Just, you know, look back into the archives there and uh, you can catch uh, any episode that you miss as far as best and worst case scenarios for the rest of this Ranger roster. But for today, like I said, going to look at what could be the top line here. And as we always do, we'll go from left to right uh, with the forward groups here. And we're going to start with Alexi Lafreniere, uh, who could end up being the top line left winger at the start of the season. Alexi Lafreniere, now 21 years old, entering uh, year four of his NHL career. He is indeed finally under contract. Obviously, it took some time, uh, but Lafreniere this offseason, really the last piece of the puzzle, the last domino to fall in the Rangers offseason plans. It took, again, a lot of time, but they eventually gave him re-signed to a new deal. He was a restricted free agent. Uh, he is now back with the Rangers on a two-year deal worth $2.325 million per season, and he will be a restricted free agent uh, when this current contract expires. It's going to be a stressful offseason, that offseason, because you've got Lafreniere, Keandre Miller, and Igor Shosturkin. They will all need new contracts at that time, but uh, we will cross that bridge when we get to it. For right now, Alexi Lafreniere, to kind of recap what he's done thus far in his career, 216 games, 47 goals, 44 assists, 91 points. He is a plus five, a 15.1 shooting percentage, average 14 minutes, 25 seconds of time on the ice, 65 block shots, 292 hits, 91 takeaways against 82 giveaways. And to focus in on what he did last year, I want to kind of uh, split the stats here, so to speak, because I want to point out the fact that Alexi Lafreniere, a lot of new career highs. I mean, I realize it's only three years, but uh, nevertheless, new career highs almost across the board for Lafreniere. Career high, 81 games. Uh, the only game he missed was when he was a healthy scratch. Uh, 16 goals, a career high, 23 assists, a career high, 39 points, a career best plus minus of plus 10, uh, a career worst, 11.9 shooting percent. We're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, in just a minute here. Uh, a career high, 15 minutes and 13 seconds of time on the ice. Career high, even in block shots with 28, and a career high, 141 hits, uh, 32 takeaways, against a actual career worst 36 giveaways. But uh, once again, the way we always do this, we take a look at the 
worst case scenarios first, and then we work our way to the best case scenario. It's just more fun to do it that way. Obviously, end with some optimism and you're just kind of glass half full uh, kind of a situation. But yeah, worst case scenario for Alexi Lafreniere. I think uh, the playoff series and the struggles that he had in the playoff series this past year, the seven game set against the Devils, that lingers a little bit. And there's a lot of focus from Ranger fans. I mean, look, Ranger fans, and you can include me in this group, none of us were happy with what happened in the playoff series. Pretty much everything after game two against the Devils last year, Rangers in complete control, and they just, they blew it. I mean, let, let's be real here. They blew it. They allowed the Devils back into the series. Credit where it's due. Obviously, the Devils came back, but a lot of Ranger players uh, just not playing up to the best of their abilities. I think for sure Igor Shesterkin did. You could throw Chris Kreider in there as well. He had a, a big playoff series. Um, a lot of goals, just a lot of points in general. Um, but, you know, a lot of focus on Artemi Panarin and his two total points in the entire series. Alexi Lafreniere in seven games, zero points, zero goals, zero assists. And it's not even like it was a situation where he was getting unlucky or uh, just didn't have the puck luck going his way. He was basically a complete ghost for that entire seven-game series. Uh, I don't think he ever really came all that close to notching a point of any kind. Uh, you know, there was a situation in game three. The game went into overtime. A little bit of a scramble in front of the Devil's net, and he was in the area. That, to me, was the only time where he really came within any kind of, uh, you know, reach of, of getting a point, doing something productive offensively uh, to help this Ranger team in that in that playoff series. And, and part of the reason why that's so disappointing is because we saw what the kid line did two years ago. Uh, Lafreniere in the 20 playoff games two years prior uh, ended up with two goals and seven assists. So not an enormous point total, but there were nights as we've discussed on here where that kid line for the Rangers basically took over in the playoffs and was the best line on the ice for either team. And that just was nowhere to be found, particularly with Alexi Lafreniere and, and really, I mean, joined the club really, but between Lafreniere, Kako and Heedle, uh, none of them really did a whole lot in the playoffs this past season. So, uh, and again, they, they, obviously had that in common with a lot of their Ranger teammates. But uh, nevertheless, again, I think in a worst-case scenario, that playoff series kind of lingers with Alexi Lafreniere and uh, could result in maybe him getting off to a slow start this season. I think also in a worst case for Alexi Lafreniere, uh, he has had some lengthy dry spells during his brief career in the NHL. Now, on one hand, that's somewhat to be expected. He is a young player in this league. But when Lafreniere slumps, he slumps. Like, it, it goes a long time where he's just not really doing anything offensively, just isn't all that noticeable. We give you a couple examples of that. We're going to focus most of these examples on this past year, but I think it's worth pointing out the start of his NHL career, first 15 games, only one point. That was that overtime winner against Buffalo. Uh, this past year, he had a 15-game stretch with only four points. He had a nine-game stretch with only one point, an eight-game stretch with zero points, and then uh, possibly the worst stretch of his career. If you combine the final four regular season games for the Rangers with their seven playoff games this past season, Alexi Lafreniere, 11 games and a grand total of zero points. Now, I realize I'm obviously kind of cherry picking his worst stretches from last year to kind of illustrate my point, but the fact remains the same. When Alexi Lafreniere slumps, it, it can be it can go on for longer than you would like. And again, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but it doesn't seem to be the result of bad puck luck or, you know, he just can't catch a break. I mean, that might be part of it, but for the most part, when he goes through these lengthy, you know, dry spells, he's just not a very noticeable player out there. So you do hope um, that obviously, um, you know, that that's something that doesn't happen as much. Everybody slumps from time to time, but uh, you hope for Alexi Lafreniere, the slumps are uh, fewer 
And when they do happen, he gets out of them a little bit quicker than he has uh, in, in recent seasons here, the first three seasons of his career. I think also, in a worst-case scenario, his shooting issues kind of persist. It was hard to ignore the fact last year that Alexi Lafreniere uh, had such a drop in his shooting percentage. He went from his rookie season, 17.9% shot percentage to 17.3 in his second year to just 11.9 last year. And, you know, he, he's got a, a fairly quick shot. He can kind of take that shot out of nowhere, the, the wrist shot that he has. Um, I feel like there's times where it's a fairly accurate shot. But one thing that Alexi Lafreniere's shot is not, I, I don't think, unless anybody wants to try to correct me here, it's not an overwhelming, overpowering shot. Like, I, I don't think opposing goalies, his shot really gives them too much trouble. It doesn't seem like a lot of Lafreniere's goals come as the result of him just beating the goalie clean. Now, on one hand, it's nice that he's willing to go get some of the dirty goals and get into the crease there and, you know, fight for uh, the, the loose puck and the rebound and stuff some of them home. We've seen him do that quite a bit. But on the other hand, you'd like to see him uh, finish clean every now and then, just, just beat the goalie with just raw skill uh, that he has. Um, we haven't seen enough of that. And again, the shooting percentage going down, kind of dif difficult to ignore uh, this past season. But I want to go ahead. All hope is clearly not lost for Alexi Lafreniere. I think he still has a bright future in this league. And I want to go ahead and look at some of the best case scenarios for Alexi Lafreniere. I think in a best case, he improves with his skating. Uh, this seems to be one of the biggest issues as far as why Alexi Lafreniere has not hit the ground running and not been a superstar right out of the starting blocks, as a lot of people uh, thought and or hoped that he would be. Uh, his skating, you know, you watch him. I don't think it's like a horrible liability, but it's nothing special either. Um, there aren't really a whole lot of op a lot of situations in the game where you see him like put a move on somebody or, you know, w win a foot race or whatever it might be. His skating just isn't dynamic. I, I think at best right now, he's about a league-wide average skater. And, you know, I'm just hoping that, you know, maybe he's working with a skating specialist in the offseason, or maybe the Rangers themselves are helping with him in that department. But I just feel like once Alexi Lafreniere does better with his skating, it's going to uh, lead to some good things for him. Obviously, you know, he'll be able to create a little bit of separation between himself and the defender. Uh, it should open up some passing lanes, and it should open up some shooting lanes for Alexi Lafreniere himself. If he can use his skating to his advantage, uh, get to an open spot on the ice, you know, high real estate, prime real estate, high danger scoring area. You know, he can take shots from those areas and uh, hopefully bury the puck clean a little bit more often than we've seen him do in the past. I think also in the best case scenario for Alexi Lafreniere, he gets a little more power play time and maybe even a chance on that top unit. It's going to be tough for him to crack the top power play unit, but I don't think it's impossible. Uh, maybe you see him kind of in the bumper role. You know, we've seen uh, Ryan Strom used to play that. And then this past year, Vincent Trocek was in that role uh, on the Rangers' top power play unit. That might relegate Trocek to the second unit, but that's okay. You know, you can spread the wealth a little bit between your top two units. It doesn't have to be uh, the five best players on your top unit. You could do it that way. You don't have to do it that way. Um, but Alexi Lafreniere, once again, in a best case scenario, gets a little bit more power play time. And, you know, he just hasn't racked up a lot of power play points in his first couple of seasons with the Rangers. Now, on one hand, that's because, you know, he just hasn't done enough in the limited power play opportunities that he's had. But by that same token, once again, he doesn't get a ton of time on the power play. Um, you know, he will at times be given a little bit of run with the second unit. You know, he usually is a member of the second unit. But I just feel like that second unit in recent seasons hasn't really gotten a lot of opportunity. We've talked about this before. They get on the ice with like 20 seconds left in the power play. Hard to do a whole lot. And I would just like to see 
a little bit more of a balance between the two units. And specifically, I'd like to see Alexi Lafreniere uh, get some more chances on the power play. We'll see if that comes to fruition this season. I think also in a best case scenario for Alexi Lafreniere, he gets a chance to play with either Panarin or Mika Zibanejad. I know people like the kid line. It's fun. You know, they're young and it's a cool nickname and everything. But you know, I think it's time to take the training wheels off a little bit. I'd like to see uh, the kids get a little bit more ice time, a little bit more run in the top six. Uh, Lafreniere, I've talked about this in the past. He seems to have very good chemistry with Mika Zibanejad. The two of them just seem to have a feel for each other out there. They seem to be able to find each other. They seem to have a sense of where the other one's going to be. We've seen them link up with some nice passes and some goals uh, in the limited amount of time that they've played with each other over the past couple of years here. Um, and I, again, I, I feel like the Lafreniere, Mika, and Kako line, limited action together last year, but I do think overall they look good during the time that they spent with each other. Uh, I also feel like Lafreniere, when he was out there, I mentioned Panarin a second ago, when he was out there with Panarin and Trocek uh, this past season, I think that worked a little bit as well, and that uh, resulted in Lafreniere actually playing the right wing, which leads me into the next thing that I want to talk about as far as best-case scenarios for Alexi Lafreniere. I think uh, his versatility becomes an asset. When he first came to the Rangers, I was lukewarm at best to the idea of Alexi Lafreniere seeing a lot of time at right wing. I just feel like you get the first overall pick and somebody, you know, one of the better players that we've seen available in the draft in a lot of years here. Uh, I think the last thing you want to do is make him switch positions. Not that he can't possibly handle it, but I think you get a player like that. You want to put him in the best case to succeed. And seemingly that would be the left wing with Alexi Lafreniere. But I have noticed over the years here, and some of you guys probably have as well, there hasn't really been any noticeable drop in Lafreniere's game when he goes from left wing to right wing. And, you know, again, I, I just mentioned when he was out there with Panarin and Trocek this past season, I thought he had some good games with them while playing the right wing. And there is a little bit of a log jam at left wing with the Rangers. Obviously, you know, Lafreniere, Kreider, Panarin, and then uh, Offman and Cooley, they're on the way as well. Often can play some right wing, but you get the idea. A lot of left wingers for the Rangers. And whether it's, you know, we, we've seen all of Kreider, Panarin, and uh, Lafreniere do this from time to time. Every once in a while, one of them will move over to the right wing. But if Lafreniere can be that guy and he's just as comfortable at right wing or maybe even more so than he is at left wing, then more power to him. And I think that's something that can help the Rangers uh, going forward if they want to try to balance out the lineup a little bit. Uh, I think also in a best case scenario, we see Lafreniere uh, play with a little bit of edge, play with a little bit of swagger. You know, he does this to a degree even now. Um, but this was part of his the scouting report on Lafreniere before he ever even made it uh, to the NHL. Has some feistiness and some edge to his game. Uh, he'll occasionally fight. Doesn't really back down from anybody. Um, let's see Lafreniere be that guy. Let's see him carry himself with that confidence. You know, we've seen it from time to time. But I just want to see him uh, be out there with, with some attitude, some edge. And I'm that guy. I'm that good. And this is my year. And I'm going to break out. And we're going to make this thing happen here. So, those are the best and worst case scenarios for Alexi Lafreniere. In just a second, we're going to shift our attention to Mika Zibanejad, for my money, one of the uh, elite centers in this league. We're going to do that in just a second. But first, we got to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, and I wanted to see what all the hype was about. Now, I've been on it for about 16 months, give or take, and I absolutely love it. Uh, it's one of the first things I do every morning. I got to have it before I do anything active. I got to have it before the day job. I got to have it before uh, recording an episode of Locked on New York Rangers. So, yeah, it's become a big-time part of my routine. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health. AG1 helps you build your health foundation first. 
All great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies. And a huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health. A lot of them also drink AG1. And that's part of the reason why I'm a huge fan. With every daily serving, I'm setting myself up for success with 75 high-quality ingredients that give me daily nutrients and support energy, focus, strength, and clarity. It's a micro habit that delivers macro benefits and helps just about everybody take great care of their health every single day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL network and check it out. All right, we just want to go ahead, let everybody know, or thank everybody, rather, for making Locked On New York Rangers uh, your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And for the everydayers, you guys are definitely going to want to stick around. We're going to have, uh, probably in our next episode, Five Points Vids, big uh, following on YouTube. He's a sports YouTuber, big-time Ranger fan as well, uh, loves his blue shirts, does an awesome job with uh, you know everything with his YouTube channel. He's been on the show a couple of times, but we're way overdue to have him back, and I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, we're also going to be having a crossover episode pretty soon with Locked On Flyers. We want to go ahead and uh, take a preview, a uh, look at the two-game rookie series that the Rangers and Flyers are going to be playing against each other on Friday the 15th and Saturday the 16th. It'll be nice to get a feel for you know who the Flyer fans are looking at and which Flyer rookies we should keep an eye out for uh, during those two games. So a lot of fun stuff looking ahead for right now, though. Let's keep the focus on the Rangers' top line, or what could be the Rangers' top line. We're going to shift our attention to Mika Zibanejad at center, 30 years old now, entering the second year of an eight-year contract worth $68 million. It's an annual cap hit of $8.5 million per season. He has a full no-move clause for every year of the contract, except for the last one in the final year, which will be 2029-2030. That doesn't even sound like a real year. 2029-2030. Uh, Mika Zibanejad, his full no move will turn into a modified no move where he can block trades to 21 different teams rather than 31 different teams. But uh, that's Mika Zibanejad where the where the contract stands. And obviously he's here for the long haul. And I think the Rangers are, are well off for it. I um, also want to say belated congratulations to Mika Zibanejad and his wife uh, on the birth of their child. Uh, but as far as what Mika Zibanejad did this past year, we don't need to do his career stats. It's Mika. We know what he brings to the table. But to kind of look at uh, what he did last year and just kind of emphasize the fact that career highs basically across the board for Mika. A lot of Rangers kind of fit that description. 82 games for Mika. Obviously, he can't go any higher than that. Uh, 82 games for the second time in his career. Uh, 39 goals, second most of his career. 52 assists, tied for the most of his career. Uh, career high, 91 points. He was a plus 25, second best of his career. 15.5 shooting percentage, second best of his career. 1958 time on the ice, fourth most of his career, uh, 49 and a half face-off success rate. Uh, fun fact here, Mika Zibanejad for his career in the NHL on face-offs is now 4,441 and 4,442. So he's lost one more face-off than he's won in all that time, about as close to 50-50 as you can possibly get. Uh, 48 block shots last year, 71 hits, 57 takeaways, 67 giveaways, 24th in the Lady Bing, 16th in the Selkie. Obviously, Mika known as a spectacular uh, two-way center and a great defensive forward. Uh, worst case scenario for Mika Zibanejad. You know, every year we do these best and worst case scenarios. And every year, this to me is one of the most difficult 
sections to come up with basically anything because with Mika Zibanejad, obviously an outstanding player, uh, everything you would want as far as, you know, a top line center and somebody that just doesn't really have any holes in his game. And you just don't really expect bad play from Mika Zibanejad. I mean, I really don't know how else to say it, but I guess in a worst case scenario, and we've talked about this with some of the other Ranger veterans, maybe he just doesn't quite click with, uh, with Peter Laviolette. You know, there is a little bit of a contrast of personalities uh, between, you know, guys like Mika, guys like Panarin, guys like Kreider, you know, they're leaders in their own right, but they're not the big rah-rah guys that Peter Laviolette is. You know, Peter Laviolette brings a lot of fire to the table, so uh, we'll see how that meshes once the season begins here. I think also in a worst case, uh, maybe the Rangers start to limit Mika's penalty kill time a little bit. On one hand, I can understand this because he is such an important player. You want him out there for the power play. You want him out there, obviously, 5v5 as much as possible. And the Rangers do have other options when it comes to penalty killing forwards. But be that as it may, Mika Zibanejad is an outstanding penalty killer. And I'd like to see him uh, continue to stay in that role. If you want to scale it back a little bit, that's okay. Um, but I think, you know, in big games, certainly playoff games, Mika Zibanejad is one of their best penalty killers. So I, I hope that they don't, uh, you know, remove him from that role entirely or limit it to, to too much of a degree. I think also in a worst case scenario, uh, again, this is a long-term thing and I'm not really even that worried about it, but as is the case with a lot of long contracts, it's possible that the last year or two of Mika Zibanejad's contract, he's not an eight and a half million dollar player at that time. Right now, I think for sure he is. Um, but you know, even the last year of his deal, he'll, he'll still only be 36. It's not ancient. It's not like this contract carries into carries into his age 41 season or anything along those lines. So I'm not too worried about that either. Best case scenarios for Mika Zibanejad. I, I think in a best case, he just continues to do what he does. Remains one of the uh, top elite all around centers in the NHL. Um, you look at the best centers in the league. Nobody's Connor McDavid. We know that. Um, and, and sure, you know, I'm a little bit Ranger bias. I think all of us are a little bit, but there are not to me, at least a lot of big time centers in this league who help their team in as many different ways and as consistently as Mika Zibanejad does. Mika Zibanejad, a very consistent player, uh, just an outstanding all-around game. Mika is really up there when it comes to uh, elite centers in this league. I think also, in a best-case scenario, this one, uh, I, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I would say in a best-case scenario, Mika Zibanejad grows into even more of a leader for this New York Ranger team. Um, you know, we've heard and kind of seen evidence as well that a lot of the Ranger, you know, top players, a lot of even the alternate captains, they're not the biggest rah-rah guys. They're not the biggest uh, fire and brimstone guys. Obviously, I think Truba is. You know, he'll, he'll address the team if need be. I think Goodrow is as well. But you look at guys, again, like Mika, like Kreider, like Panarin. I mean, they're respected, and I think they're well-liked by their teammates. And I think, you know, certainly some of the young players look up to those guys, but they're not the biggest rah-rah guys. Can Mika Zibanejad become that guy at this point? I mean, he is now the second-longest tenured Ranger after Kreider. And he is now 30 years old. Maybe he grows into that role a little bit more than he already does. And I'm not knocking Mika's leadership. I, I think, you know, he does what he does out there. Uh, I think he's a fine choice to be one of the Ranger alternate captains. Honestly, even as the Ranger captain, I think that could have worked as well. You know, I, I think Truba was probably the right pick, uh, you know, looking at everything that's happened. But yeah, I mean, Mika does fine in that department. But maybe he's got a little bit more to give uh, in that department as well. I think also in the best case, uh, this one's pretty simple. Career high in goals for Mika Zibanejad. Got pretty close this past year. He ended up scoring 39 goals. Second highest total of his career. Uh, he scored 41. That was his most with the Rangers in 2019-2020. But I see no reason why he can't get there this year. Uh, still a relatively young player. Just at the big 3-0. Uh, blistering slap shot. He can score off the rush. 
Uh, he seems to have instant chemistry with any wingers you put him out there with. He's getting feeds from Adam Fox. There's no reason. I mean, it's not a guarantee or anything like that, but there's no reason to think that Mika Zibanejad uh, can't set a new career high in goals scored this upcoming season. And I think maybe this might be the one, the biggest thing that Mika Zibanejad can do for this Ranger team in a best-case scenario. He elevates the kids. If this ends up being truly the Rangers' top line, Lafreniere, Mika Zibanejad, Capo Caco, and the biggest thing that Mika can do for this Ranger team is to elevate those two players. You know, we've we've talked about how Caco and Lafreniere have improved over the years, and you know, they had that nice playoff run two years ago, and there have been flashes of brilliance from both players, but we haven't seen it consistently from either one of them, uh, certainly not in the points department. But, you know, Mika Zibanejad, he, he can change all of that. You know, I think that line just works. You've got Capo Caco that can drive the play in the offensive zone. He can maintain possession, keep offensive zone possessions alive. Uh, you've got Alexi Lafreniere, who I think... Honestly, one of his biggest strengths is his passing ability. I know it hasn't always shown up in the assist department, but he is a good passer. And Mika Zibanejad can absolutely snipe. So there you go. I realize it's kind of an oversimplification, um, but still, I mean, that 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 trio just works for me. It just clicks, and I would like to see the three of them uh, get a chance to play together this upcoming season. And again, in a best-case scenario, Mika Zibanejad helps those two guys reach that next level. So we're going to keep everything rolling in just a second here. want to shift our attention to the third and final member of this proposed top line for the New York Rangers. That would be Capo Caco. We will talk about him in just a second. All right, so Capo Caco, now 22 years old and is entering the final year of a two-year bridge deal. And, you know, he obviously signed that this past offseason with the New York Rangers. And you guys are just going to have to bear with me for a second because I forgot to write down Capo Caco's stats. So we're going to go ahead and pull those up right now. Um, but, yeah, as far as the contract is concerned, uh, once again, in the final year of a two-year bridge deal worth $2.1 million per season, after this season, he will be a restricted free agent with arbitration rights. Once again, we will cross that bridge when we get there, but this is obviously a really big season for Capo Caco. Entering his fifth season in the NHL, uh, if you can possibly believe that. But to go ahead and look at his stats, his career stats, four seasons, as we know, 239 games with the Rangers, 44 goals, 54 assists, a minus two in that time. Although he has been a plus all of the past three seasons, he was a minus 26 his rookie season, so that kind of weighs it down a little bit. Um, but in addition to that, 11.7 shooting percentage, uh, average 14 minutes, 51 seconds of ice time, uh, 69 block shots, 68 hits, 125 takeaways against 77 giveaways. And for this past season, I think we should kind of hone in on that. Played 82 games for the first time in his career. His previous career high was only 66. And obviously COVID had something to do with that. We had those two shortened seasons. Um, but again, 82 games for the first time in his career, uh, career high, 18 goals, career high, 22 assists, career high, 40 points, career best, plus 12 in the plus minus department, uh, career high, 125 shots on goal, career best, 14.4 shooting percentage, uh, 15 minutes and 18 seconds of ice time per night, uh, second most of his career, 27 block shots, new career high, 26 hits, new career high, and uh, 47 takeaways, a new career high for Capo Caco. So this goes back to what I've been talking about. Lafreniere and Caco, they do get better every season. I don't think anyone can deny that going by the stats, going by the eye test, going by whatever you want to go by. It's just that, as I've said many, many times on this podcast, we're not looking for just, you know, a little improvement this season. We're looking for a giant leap forward, uh, preferably from both of these players. But that's where things stand with Capo Caco. Worst case scenario for Capo Caco. Um, you know, last year, 
40 points. That was easily his career best. He beat his previous career high uh, by 17 points. His previous career high was 23 points. Um, I, I think at a worst case scenario, Capo Caco kind of plateaus and just kind of becomes like a run-of-the-mill third-line player. I don't think that's going to happen because he has shown improvements every single season in pretty much every aspect of the game. Um, but I, I suppose that's a worst-case scenario where where he, you know, for people that say, like, uh, it's usually fans of, of teams that don't like the Rangers. Oh, Kako's a bust. No, he's not. Capo Kako, even as he is right now, is a useful, valuable NHL player. He's just not an elite NHL player. He's not a superstar. If he get if he can get there, that'd obviously be huge uh, for the New York Rangers. But I think in a worst case scenario, he kind of just settles into a you know run of the mill third line or middle six kind of forward. Uh, that's kind of where Kako ends up. But again, I, we've seen evidence to the contrary that he's gonna um, be better than that uh, in the long run with the New York Rangers. I think also in a worst case scenario for Capo Kako, he doesn't get any power play time or very little power play time this upcoming season. He was sort of the odd man out when it came to the power play at times this past year. Uh, the Rangers, you know, after they traded for Tarasenko and then also Kane, they had to sort of reshuffle the deck, reconfigure the power play units. And there were times where Kako, who had at least been on the second unit, wasn't even there anymore. You know, the Rangers had a lot of options and he was kind of uh, a victim of the numbers game, so to speak. But he ended up kind of on the outside looking in as far as the power play is concerned. And obviously, I think... Uh, you know, with Kako, hopefully he's at least on the second unit this year, get some chances there, and maybe kind of play the Chris Kreider role. I mean, I don't know that he's the deflection artist that Chris Kreider is, but he can play a similar role uh, on the Rangers' second unit that Chris Kreider plays on the top unit. So uh, best case scenario is he gets uh, more power play time, and we're talking about the worst case scenarios. Worst case scenario, uh, he doesn't get really any power play time. I think also, here's kind of a long-term one. Um, he sort of becomes the odd man out of the Rangers plans because it goes back to this concept and we've talked about it on here. You can't keep everybody. Um, obviously the Rangers, you know, they have a lot of players that they really like, but a lot of young players are going to need new contracts soon. Lafreniere, uh, Kako, Miller, Igor, uh, Braden Schneider, Ryan Lingren, all players that are going to need new contracts in the next two off seasons here. So is it possible that Kako becomes the odd man out? and ends up being traded this upcoming offseason, I'd say it's at least possible. I don't look for it to happen. I think the Rangers are going to stay the course with their young guys for as long as they can. But uh, yeah, worst case scenario, that is something that could uh, could come to fruition for Capo Caco. I think uh, best case scenarios, it's, again, it's always fun to end with the good stuff. Uh, best case scenario for Capo Caco, be a bully, man. You know, just be a bully this upcoming season. Now, when I say that, I don't expect him to do, go out there and be Ryan Reeves in terms of uh, delivering all these uh, you know, bone-jarring hits and dropping the gloves and looking to fight people. He's not going to do that. But use your size and your strength to your advantage. We've been saying this since the very, very early days of this podcast. I might have said this within the first 10 episodes. Capo Caco, I want to see him use his size and his strength to his advantage. He's starting to do more and more of that with every year that's passing by here. But he's six foot three, 199 pounds, and uh, you know, looked like he was hitting the gym pretty hard this offseason as well. So if he can use his size and strength to his advantage, uh, he should absolutely do that. I think there's times early in his career, he's a little bit tentative, a little bit hesitant to do that, but we've seen him, you know, use his, his build to his advantage. And um, specifically when it comes to driving possession in the offensive zone, I think also in a best case scenario, be a little bit selfish. There's another thing I've been wanting to see from Capo Caco you know, the Rangers a few years ago, as recently as like three years ago, certainly four years ago, they were like petrified to do anything the least bit selfish. Nobody wanted to shoot. Everybody wanted to pass and set up their buddy for an easy tap-in goal. 
Um, it, it's a nice thought in theory, but sooner or later, you got to pull the trigger. You got to shoot the puck. And I think Kaka was somebody that basically embodied that for the Rangers. We still see him do that from time to time now where you know he'll give up a good shooting opportunity and try to pass it instead. But he is getting better in that department. Uh, this past season, career high, 125 shots on goal, as we mentioned. Also a career high, 14.4 shooting percentage. More of that, please. I want to see Capo Caco shoot the puck a little bit more often. He's obviously got the talent and the skill to do it. Um, there's no reason why Caco shouldn't set new career highs and basically everything having to do with shooting the puck. More goals than he's ever had, um, more shots on goal than he's ever had, and probably a higher shooting percentage than he's ever had as well. I look for that from Capo Caco in a uh, best-case scenario. I think also in a best-case scenario, and I, I touched on this briefly when we were talking about the power play units, Kako can kind of be Kreider Jr. Let's see Kako do some of the things that Chris Kreider does. Uh, go to the net. Just refuse to be moved out of there. Uh, rely on your skating. Rely on your balance. Um, again, I don't know that Kako can do the things that Kreider does when it comes to deflections. But again, Kako's got a big build. Be a little bit more assertive out there. The way that Chris Kreider, we've seen him do the past couple of seasons, where he basically just sets up shop in front of the net and just refuses to be moved out of there. So uh, Kako, yeah, Kreider Jr. this upcoming season in a best-case scenario. I think also in a best-case for Capo Kako, 60 points. That's maybe a little bit high. It's also not completely out of the realm of possibility. And the more I've been thinking about it this offseason, because, you know, Kako, Lafreniere, Hedl, they all kind of get lumped in together. They're the young players. They play on the kid line together, et cetera, et cetera. I'm starting to feel like if one of them, like, just truly goes off this year, just truly explodes, truly reaches that next plateau, it's going to be Capo Kako. I just feel like his game has grown by leaps and bounds, more so than maybe the other two since he's been in the league. Again, you can go by the eye test. You can go by the stats. Um, but he's just been a more assertive player. As the seasons have gone by here, I think he's starting to realize that, once again, when he uses his build, his frame to his advantage, uh, he can be a very, very effective player. As we mentioned, 40 points last year, 17 more than his previous career high. And, you know, you, you, put, you put everything together. You put everything I just said together. I feel like Capo Caco's 60 points is within reach. I don't know that he's going to be a point-per-game player. I mean, I would love that. Who wouldn't love that if you're a Ranger fan? But I feel like he'll, he'll be up there. He'll be somebody that... Uh, opposing teams are going to have to deal with every single night. He's going to be a constant threat. I feel like this is Capo Caco's year, and in a best-case scenario, uh, it certainly will be. But I figure we can pretty much call it there for today. Uh, once again, just kind of an announcement here. Locked on NHL podcast, including Locked on New York Rangers, going to be still at three episodes per week this week, as well as next week. Then after that, we're going back to five episodes for a very, very long time. Um, th this three-week episode per week, or, okay, let's try that again. This three episodes per week uh, schedule. It doesn't last very long, just kind of slower parts of the offseason. But you know what? There's always something to talk about when it comes to the New York Rangers. And um, it's been fun doing the three episodes, but can't wait to get back to five episodes just in a couple of weeks here. And then obviously we got Ranger hockey right around the corner. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is locked on nyrangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time.